everyone. Welcome back to the Step Outside podcast. This is your host, Christy Keel Blackman with the Department of Forestry, Wildlife and Fisheries at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. We have Jillian Gorell joining us today. She is a PhD student studying under Dr. Sharon Jean-Philippe, and she's going to share some of her research with us. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you, Christy. I'm excited to talk with you today. Thanks for being here. Okay, so if people have listened before, they probably know a little bit about Dr. Jean-Philippe. She's our urban forestry professor, and she leads the urban forestry program. So tell us just a broad overview of the research you're doing with Dr. Jean-Philippe. Okay, so I am going to be sending out a survey to all the Arboretum managers that are certified within the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council. And what I'm looking for within that, a survey like this has never been done that I can find. So I want to see what kind of management strategies they are using and which ones seem to be successful with measurements such as attendance levels and what their budgets are and see if I can streamline that information to get a blast out to other arboretums so they can know what works for people and what's not working so that we can have some more successful arboretum all across the state and hopefully um, nationally and internationally as well. We're also going to be looking at different markers for what's recently happened, COVID. It wasn't initially part of my research, but it's very relevant. So I want to know with all of the increase in usage of outdoor spaces, how that affected the managers and how that affected the arboretum. Okay, great. And so in looking at arboreta across the state, what are your theories of why they need this attention? Well, there are many benefits for arboreta. Biological benefits include conservation, research and protection of native species. There are also communal benefits. So it's going to improve education for all the way from children to adult learners. There's the entertainment value. People enjoy just going out and walking among the trees. And then there's also the wellness aspect. It's good for people to be outdoors. So we want to make sure that these spaces get the attention that they need, that they're being maintained properly, And a lot of that comes down to funding. So if my research can open some doors to where there's more funding available for the Arboretum, that's what we're looking for. It sounds like this will really turn into a a very large communications project, relaying information back and forth from Arboretum to Arboretum. Is that that right? Yeah, I'm going to gather it all from the Arboretum. And then whenever I'm able to create an article from what I've learned, I've been invited by the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council president to go speak at one of their conferences so that I can disseminate this information and get it out to them. I'd also like to do some sort of state or federal communication to get it to the Division of Forestry to where they know what's going on with these different projects and they can see the ways that people need help because right now, To be an arboretum that is certified by the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council, you have to have tree labels up, you have to have signage, and you have to pay to be certified so that a professional can come out and make sure that your tree labels are correct and that you have a safe environment. There's not branches that are hanging down. There's not different roots sticking up to where people might trip over them. 
So it's not a free endeavor and we're not getting paid to create these arboreta right now. So it is something that we have to find the funding within our facility or within our organizations. So I want to make sure that these people become seen for what they need. That's great. That's really interesting to look into because I'm sure a lot of people who have visited an arboretum think, oh, there are established trees. What more could there be? You mentioned a few of the costs, but what are some of the other costs that are associated with arboreta that people may not be aware of? So you need somebody to manage the situation. So somebody is either a paid employee or they're volunteering to do this. And that's a cost right there, either with time or money. Then you need to make sure, like I said, that it's going to be within a safe environment. So there needs to be some sort of a maintenance plan to ensure that they're being pruned correctly, that there's a safe walkway. As far as walkways go, if there's not already something established there, then you need to put out some sort of mulch. You need to maintain it by mowing the grass if it's just grass, or you need to get concrete, asphalt, some sort of walking path. There's also the accessibility factor with all of those things. Is this something that a handicapped person would be able to get to and use safely? A lot of these are free use, so a facility is not getting paid to have this arboretum on their grounds. There are some that you do have to pay to get into, the larger ones, but overall, mostly these are free to use. Then you also have the educational aspect. So if you're going to do guided tours for students, you're going to need to either have someone who's being paid to do that service or who is volunteering to do that service. As far as the actual trees go, Tennessee is a beautiful area that has a lot of native trees. However, there are stipulations to where you have to have at least 30 different species of trees. So if you don't fulfill that requirement, you will need to get trees to plant on your ground so that you can satisfy that requirement. So that could be another possible cost either starting or maintaining your arboretum. If you have one magnolia tree and it gets struck by lightning or if it falls down, you're going to have to replace that tree. So there are replacement costs as well. You need tools to maintain them. Water, that's a utility that you would need. If you are a large operation, you will need lights to make it a safe environment at night. Or you might need security to make sure that people are not there when they shouldn't be, or that when they are there, they are protected and safe. That's really extensive. That's <laughs> yeah. A, that's a lot of needs. So really, it could help for folks to just think about all of the needs that a staffed park would have. It's the same for Arborita, is that correct? Yeah, depending on what type of facility, it could just be a standalone park out there, but it's not magic. It doesn't maintain itself automatically. You have to take care of it so that it's safe for people to enjoy. Right. Yeah. That's very eye-opening, all of those different costs that you just listed. So you have not started your survey yet, correct? I'm in the planning stages right now so that I can get authorization to distribute it to the respondents. Okay, great. 
And so do you have any inclinations of what some of the best management strategies might be because you'll be communicating them to other arboreta across the state? Do you have any ideas of what the best practices are currently? I think planning is a big part of management. So making sure that you have goals set, long-term and short-term goals, so that you know what you're working towards. If you have not gained that certification yet, you know that you need this many trees, you need tree labels out, you need funding, you need this or that, so that you can start to make the steps. How do you get to those goals? So I think that it's really important to have both long-term and short-term goals so that you can plan appropriately and get to your stakeholders what you need. You're definitely not going to get what you need if you don't ask for it. So you need to know what to ask for and how you can get to those goals. So hopefully you'll have some really great goal setting information for all the arboreta across the state whenever you collect all of your data. I really hope so. And different things as far as communication. So are these arboreta able to talk to people through social media? Is there somebody who's more old school who's relying on just word of mouth or somebody to pass by or even newspaper or television ads? How do people know about your arboretum? Are you taking advantage of every possible avenue to communicate with your audience? All very important questions. I'll be interested to see what your data says, and hopefully we can have you back on so you can tell us what you find after your survey. I'm, I'm excited to see what we can find out and how we can use that information to help others. Yeah. So you mentioned it costs money to become a certified arboretum. Why is it important to get that certification? That certification tells people that you hold yourself to a certain standard and kind of lets them know that you have that safe environment for them. Somebody has come and taken a look around, and that's actually part of the research too, to ask the managers, why is this certification important to you? Is it something you think people need? Is it something that there are more services that could add value to that certification so that you're getting more out of what you paid for? So that's another aspect that I hadn't thought to mention. So Jillian, why is urban forestry important and why are arboreta important to our area? Those benefits that I mentioned earlier, as far as conservation goes, We're making sure that the trees within the parks are being taken care of. And then we're also offering protection to those native species. They can also be used for research, like I'm doing right now, doing this survey over arboretum managers. They can do more biological type research on the specific trees or organisms that live within the arboretum. Then the communal benefits of education, entertainment, and wellness So those are services and value that the Arboreta add. As far as the urban forestry go, there are a lot of what's called ecosystem services that they are adding to the urban area. They are cooling the cities down. The more trees you have, the more shade you have, the sun, the energy is being absorbed by the concrete. And at night, it's being released back into the atmosphere so that the next day it starts off hotter and it's just going to keep getting hotter. So think about when you're in the city, you don't try to walk in the sunshine. You're trying to find the shade of a building or a tree, whatever you can get. 
and that helps you with energy costs. So we're decreasing the amount of air conditioning that we're using if we can lower those temperatures within the city. Excellent. You've covered a lot of ground here. What would you say if someone's listening and maybe they're interested in supporting their local Arboretum or even Arboretum across the state? What's a good way to get involved? You could go see if they have a social media page and start following them or subscribe to them. Find the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council. I believe they even have a YouTube channel that you could subscribe to and just learn about what they're doing and visit those Arboretum. If there's somebody working, tell them you appreciate what they're doing. See what kind of programs they offer. I know things are weird with COVID right now, but usually there are different type of workshops for learning how to plant trees, how to take care of trees. And if they're offering something like that, take advantage of it and see how you can become involved. Maybe you could even volunteer to manage trees or to give tours if you are knowledgeable tree specialist or if you're willing to learn and become one. And would you also advocate a diverse array of species in people's yards? Is that also important for us to plant diverse species in our own properties? It's important to research what you're going to plant and make sure that you're planting in a safe way and in a legal way. So if you're within a city that is very urbanized, there might be rules that you have to follow. You're only allowed to plant certain types of trees. If you have a homeowners association, you might have to ask them before you can plant a tree. I always advocate for native species because that helps to protect what we've already got going on in Tennessee. You can see from things like kudzu, what can happen if you bring in a species that did not originate here and maybe doesn't belong here. And also be careful with things like if you're cutting down wood, there are different pests like the emerald ash borer, and we're seeing a lot of ash trees die out right now. And things like uh, moving firewood to different areas could potentially spread that. So be aware and be mindful. If you're going to be planting a tree, watch where you're digging. Call the utilities company and make sure that they don't have water or electric run where you want to plant something. And that even if there's not a line directly under it, those roots spread. So things like septic tanks can be damaged and you got a nasty situation on your hands. So just be careful and be mindful. There's a lot of different aspects. And also, if you're allergic to a certain kind of tree, don't plant that tree in your yard. Go for something else that'll be like more kind to your body. <laughs> All great advice. <laughs> you know, I always think about digging and calling the utilities to make sure I'm not going to hit a line. But People often do forget about allergies and, you know, that would be a tragedy if you planted something that you were really allergic to. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jillian, I think that wraps us up. Thank you for joining us and for taking time out of your very busy schedule to talk about your research. And I'm happy we, to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you. And we wish you good luck on your research and the surveys. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Please be sure to tune in to our next podcast, which will come out next month. Thanks.